Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Evan Calkins from Hoban Press. I was really excited to talk to Evan because he does something that's very interesting to me, letterpress. He creates fantastic-looking business cards and stationery, and he even did my cards, which I'll be sure to link in the show notes. We'll talk about what it's like doing a highly specialized thing in the real world, a physical product. But first, a word from our sponsors. This season of How I Built It is brought to you by two great sponsors. The first is LiquidWeb. If you're running a membership site, an online course, or even a real estate site on WordPress, you've likely already discovered that many hosts have optimized their platforms for a logged out experience where they cache everything. Sites on their hardware are great for your sales or landing pages, but struggle when your users log in. At that point, your site is as slow as if you were on $3 hosting. LiquidWeb built their managed WordPress platform optimized for sites that want speed and performance, regardless of whether a customer is logged in or logged out. Trust me on this. I've tried it out and it's fast. Seriously fast. Now, with their single site plan, LiquidWeb is a no-brainer for anyone whose site is actually part of their business and not just a site promoting their business. Check out the rest of the features on their platform by visiting them at buildpodcast.net slash liquid. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquid. It's also brought to you by Jilt. Jilt is the easiest way to recover abandoned shopping carts on WooCommerce, Easy Digital Downloads, and Shopify. Your e-commerce clients could be leaving literally thousands on the table, and here's why. 70% of all shopping carts are abandoned prior to checkout. Yes, you heard that right. 70% of shoppers never make it to checkout. That's why you need to introduce your clients to Jilt. Jilt uses proven recovery tactics to rescue that lost revenue. It's an easy win that lets you boost your client's revenue by as much as 15%, and it only takes 15 minutes of your time to set up. Jilt fully integrates with WooCommerce, EDD, and Shopify. You can completely customize the recovery emails that Jilt sends and match your client's branding using its powerful drag and drop editor. Or you can dig into the HTML and CSS. Even better, Jilt's fair pricing means your clients pay only for the customers that actually engage. You get to earn a cut of that through Jilt's partner program. Whether you have clients that process one sale per month or 10,000 sales per month, be the hero and help them supercharge their revenue with Jilt. Check them out at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. That's buildpodcast.net slash J-I-L-T. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today... My guest is Evan Calkins of Hoban Press. Evan, thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. It's it's amazing. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. I am a big fan of your work. I'm about to get my second round of business cards <laughs> from you guys. So, uh, and it. before I guess I, I wade too deeply into that, why don't you tell everybody uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm Evan Calkins. I, I now run... A very, very tiny letterpress printing shop out of Chehalis, Washington. And yeah, I, I got into that a few years back. Actually, I've been, I've been doing letterpress printing for 
six or seven years. It started as a hobby and then it kind of shifted into a business, which I think happens a lot, a lot of times for folks. They start out with a hobby and then, and then it kind of works its way into a business. So yeah, and I, I have a website. We sell, we pretty much sell all of our orders through our websites and uh, yeah, that's, so that's what I do. Cool. Very cool. And uh, one more fun fact uh, about you as we record this is, is you're working your way, like driving across the country, like a road trip, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's right. My family and I, my wife, my 11 year old daughter, we're driving across the U S we we've taken a year and we, uh, we have a Volkswagen van again and we're, yeah, we're just driving across the U S trying to, trying to go to pretty much all the major cities, see all the States. And I've kind of, set my business up to where I can be traveling and I can be working from the road, which doesn't really sound possible with letterpress printing because it's such a, such a hands-on thing, but I have a couple amazing employees that uh, help me out. So it's been great. Awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. You know, like we, we talk about digital nomads and obviously I can do basically everything I need to do from my laptop, but you know, you work in a, in a more physical product space. So is it, what's the challenge of like being out of the office for that long? Yeah. The challenge was initially I, I taught myself how to letterpress print. So I got, you know, I, I got a big cast iron letterpress, which is kind of a story in and of, of itself. But then I had to sort of, I had to sort of pass on these things that I learned to an employee of mine, which was one of my good friends. And then I hired another employee. So over the course of like the last six month, six months before we left on this trip, I had to set up the business to where they could do everything in the shop. And so there's a lot of training, a lot of teaching. And then right now I'm just on the road doing emails, doing sales, growing the business, doing marketing. I do a lot of design work that's surrounding the business. So people will have me design business cards and logos and things like that. I do a little web development and stuff software development on the site as well. So, nice. so yeah, it's been, it's been a really cool project, sort of a experiment to work on the road, trying to find Starbucks and, and reliable Wi-Fi to work out of has been, <laughs> has been interesting. It's been a lot of fun though. Awesome. Yeah. So for any of you completely web-based people who say you can't take a week off because you think your business will crash and burn, Evan is out of his office for a year in, in a place where he like actually does physical things. So uh, that's yeah. if you stop listening at this point, that is the takeaway. Exactly. <laughs> but that you should not stop listening because there are a bunch of questions I'd like to ask you. And so the first question I have for you is, so you do you do business cards and you do letterpress. You said you're self-taught. I guess how did you come up with the idea or more since you didn't I don't think you invented letterpress. <laughs> what made you realize that this is like a good business to get into or a business you wanted to get into? Yeah, so I think the best way to to talk about this is maybe to tell the story from the beginning and how I acquired my first letterpress. So I've been involved in design and web design for a long time. I've kind of self-taught like a lot of us are. From my teens, I was working in Photoshop and I've always had a, I've always had a passion for sort of typography, minimalism. I've always appreciated those type of things. I've always appreciated really good print work and have loved to flip through magazines and admire the typography and things like that. So that's kind of where it started. And 
a long time ago, I really wanted my own letterpress printed business cards because yeah. at that time I always viewed letterpress printing as sort of the pinnacle of printing. If I could get a hold of some letterpress cards, I feel like I could ju- my business would just skyrocket because everybody would appreciate them. So I searched for a print shop around my local area. Nobody, of course, did letterpress printing because it's a very old art that was taken over by offset printing. And I had a really hard time, even in bigger cities around me, finding somebody who could do this locally. So I thought, why not I research it, you know, and figure out how these things are made because I know they're being made. So I did a lot of research. I went on a lot of forums online. There's a there's a forum called Briar Press that's an amazing forum for letterpress printing that's been around for many years. There's a lot of older letterpress printers on there sharing their knowledge and, and freely giving tips to to continue the craft. So I started there, started doing research, and I figured, man, I need to get a hold of one of these old letterpresses. You know, they're not, you can't just go down to the store, go down to the local staples and buy a letterpress. So you had to, you have to do some research. So what I did is I sent out an email. I live in Western Washington. I sent out an email, pretty much all the print shops I could find on Google from Portland to Seattle. That was kind of the corridor that I live on. And uh, the only email I got back was from a little print shop in my actual hometown, which is a very small wow. town on, on Interstate 5 there. And I basically, in the email, I asked folks, you know, hey, do you have any old printing equipment laying around that I could either buy or have or come by and look at? So this, this print shop, you know, emailed me and, and, and the woman said, yeah, come, I think I have something like that. Come take a look. So I went down there to a little basement of theirs. And sure enough, there was this amazing letterpress. It was a 1902 Chandler and Price letterpress. It weighs about 1,500 pounds. It's made of cast iron. So I was able to to acquire that from her. I disassembled it, cleaned it up, and that's how I started with letterpress printing. And uh, I took it to my garage, and I just basically taught myself how to print. And that, yeah, that's how I, that's how I started uh, going on. At least that's how I started on the hobby of letterpress printing. The, uh, it turned into an, it turned into a business, I think, because I started printing cards for friends and families and people were like, well, let me pay you for these. And so I just continued to do that. And yeah, that's kind of how it turned into a business. Awesome. So, I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of research involved just like all around, like finding the machine. Lucky that it was like in your hometown, right? I imagine it, it probably wouldn't be very cheap to like pick up or ship this machine to you, right? Is it, is it, I guess, can, can you give me an idea of how big it is? Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. It's, they are very difficult to ship in this being in a basement. We had to actually disassemble, disassemble it in the basement, sort of haul it out piece by piece with a, I don't know if you've ever seen an engine hoist mm-hmm. that, that, that grabs hold yeah. of engines that you work on. So we used one of those. Because nobody could, I can't just get like five or six guys to pick up the pieces. You, right. you really have, and they're, they're fragile, they're cast iron. So if you, if they fall, they break easily. So yeah, it's, it is, it is hard to acquire these things. You can find them, you know, on Craigslist and, and things like that, but it takes a lot of skill to get them out of wherever they are. So yeah, it, that, that was sort of an adventure in itself, just getting the letterpress into my garage. Yeah. Man, that's wild. And uh, so so now you have this machine. You started doing letterpress business business cards and things like that for your friends, and they wanted to pay you. At what point did you decide? All right, this is like a 
this is a viable business for me. I think enough people are willing to pay me to do this. Yeah. So at the time I was working for my, my local county actually as a software developer mm-hmm. in their IT department. And so I was sort of moonlighting on the side, sort of half moonlighting, half doing this as a hobby. And since I was a, a web developer, I, I figured, well, why don't I just make myself a very simple site, throw it up. And that's when I got the idea to make these very simple, what I call calling cards. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're sort of distinguished themselves from business cards in that they're very simple, very typographic. And they're, they're mainly meant to have your name on them rather than like a business name. Right. And you know what I'm talking about. So I, what I did is I made, I, I worked up six templates. There are just six options that you could have. It was a one-page website. There was not, there was not any, there wasn't even an about page, a contact page, just one page with these six templates and a PayPal button basically to check out with. Nice. And so I threw this, I throw this up and I had, you know, I had a little bit of success with it. I was surprised at that. I got some organic Google traffic from just having this simple one, one page layout. But really what kicked off the business is that, I don't know if you know who Kevin Rose is. He's a investor, Silicon Valley investor. He's he's been involved. He he started Dig. Dig, yeah, yeah, yeah. The original Dig dot com. He, I, I was listening to a podcast he was doing at the time, and he mentioned somewhere in the podcast wanting cool business cards. And I was like, you know, why don't I guess what email address is his, and just send him an email and tell him I'll make him a free batch, you know? So I guessed his email address <laughs> and sent him this email. And, and like within five minutes, he emailed me back and was like, dude, I, w- I would love for you to make me cards and I'll pay you for them, you know? And so I made him these cards, I shipped them to him and he, he actually tweeted out um, my webpage and that's kind of what kicked off my business Yeah, is reaching out to this influencer and, and then, then making a tweet. And that's kind of how I started. Man, that I had, no idea about that. I'm so glad that you told this story because that's awesome. Just like, because I, I I tell a lot of people, you know, how, how, how do you get sponsors and how do you do this? And I'm like, I just ask, like, I just ask. And, exactly. And, and yeah, the fact that like you just acted on that and, and we're like, <laughs> hey, this guy is an influencer. He wants yeah. cool business cards. I can do that. That's amazing. Which is uh, really cool. And, and as far as your templates go, you know, I'm I'm looking at them right now. I'll link them in the show notes. Uh, I think the trade card, I don't think. I'm looking at my business card. It looks exactly like the trade card. Uh, <laughs> that, so that was the one I went with. So why don't you tell us maybe a little bit about your process, right? Because again, you know, we, we talk to, or I talk to a lot of developers and people in the software space. I'm, I'm venturing more into the physical realm of things. I talked to like mm-hmm. Brad Dowdy, the pen addict from Notco and things like that. And And so what's the process for like, for creating a a business card or maybe just like the general letterpress process? How does that work? Yeah. So back in the old, old days, they used what was called movable type. It was a um, a set of uh, basically a font, right? It was lead and you were only able to print with the lead type that you owned, right? So maybe Mm -hmm. you'd owned five or six different fonts in different variations. Maybe you had some italics and different sizes, point sizes of that font. The way we print, we don't set type like that anymore. Mm-hmm. We make a plate. So what we do is we start with the design first. So depending on if I have a custom card that somebody su- submits to me or one that I'm designing, I usually lay it out in Illustrator, Adobe Illustrator. 
And then once the design is finalized, we create an actual physical letterpress plate from that file, which is sort of a raised, all the surfaces that get printed are raised up out of the plate. And then we adhere that plate to our press with a special aluminum base that we use on our press. In the industry, there's something called type high. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but it's an old term meaning the, the height that um, lead type were from the base of the press. And so what happens is we use this aluminum base, we stick the plate on, and that makes a perfect type high base for us to print the cards on. So once we have that, we make a plate for every color that's used on a card. So like your cards that you got are just one color, so we mm-hmm. just have one plate. But if they had two or three colors, we'd have to make a separate plate for every one of those colors. So if anybody's ever done screen printing, they know of kind of that process. You have to make a, a separate screen for each one of the colors that you're doing. And then we used really nice 100% cotton, really toothy, textured yeah. cotton paper. Um, and so we cut we cut the paper to size and then we hand feed those through the press. So if you, if somebody orders 500 cards, we're physically hand feeding those 500 times through the press. You know, if if they have three colors, we're physically touching those cards 1500 times. So it's a very time consuming process, which is one of the reasons why it's, you know, expensive compared to conventional printing methods. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the basic, you know, process that uh, a card goes through. Wow, that's wild. And and I've got to say like yes it is it is time consuming and it is a little bit more expensive, but it's in my opinion it is totally worth it. I've gotten so many compliments on my cards that I got from you guys cuz I had it double like I had it pressed on the front and the back the first batch through. Mm-hmm. So like I got comments on like the thickness and how nice it looked. In the meantime, between the time I placed my my second order and the time I should receive them, which will be like in probably a couple of weeks, I got just like cards from Moo.com that I designed. So like I controlled the font and everything like that. And they just, you know, they look like what I paid for. And that's, <laughs> that's yeah. you know, that's not a knock against Moo or anybody who gets their cards from Moo. But after having these like beautifully letter pressed cards, it's it's kind of hard to go back to more conventional kind of looking cards yeah yeah i tell it's funny because i end up when i talk to folks about what i do you know you come across people what do you do you know what do you do for a profession and then i start telling them about letterpress printing and the cards i make and and maybe i'll give them one of my cards and then they they make a comment something like oh i need to get cards from you you know and i ask them what they do and they say i'm a I'm a real estate agent and I ask them how many cards they give out and they're like, Oh, I set a, I set a, you know, batch of 500 on my desk and I give out, you know, 50 of them a day. I usually end up talking that person out of ordering cards for me, mm-hmm. mainly cause that's not, that's sort of not the use case. It can be, I guess, but that's not really, it's not cost effective. It would get pretty expensive if you're giving out 50 cards a day. So what I usually end up talking them out of it, or I talk them into ordering a very small amount of cards from me, maybe a hundred, a hundred cards, and then supplementing their existing, maybe Moo cards, like you were saying, and you feel more free to give out those Moo cards. You feel more free to maybe waste some, put them on a desk. Totally. And then you can save a really nice batch of, of your hundred letterpress cards for maybe some special interactions that you're having maybe a special meeting and that's a really good i think that's a really good use case so i never like to like 
even Vistaprint, like I, sometimes I encourage people, why don't you like, go buy 5,000 cards on Vistaprint? It's not a big deal. It's a, it's a tool. A business card is a tool. And I try not to get too sort of uppity on letterpress printing, but I think, I think it serves a specific use case, if that makes sense. If you build WordPress websites, you should join your fellow WordPress developers from around the world for WordSesh, a must-attend virtual conference on July 25th, 2018. WordSesh has been highly curated to provide you with the absolute best possible experience. Every presenter has been handpicked for their experience and perspective. Each topic complements and builds on the others, and the virtual swag will be amazing and useful. You can see the full speaker lineup and register for the live event and its recordings at wordsesh.com. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, to equate that to, you know, if, if somebody comes to me and they say they need a website uh, and it's just like a standard kind of brochure site and they don't have a huge budget, I'm like, yeah, go to Squarespace or, or Wix or whatever. Exactly. You exactly. know, I'm I'm primarily a WordPress developer. I'm not going to tell you that you need a $5,000 WordPress custom website if you don't. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I, it, it makes perfect sense. There's like kind of a place for, you know, each each type of these things. But man, it's I've got to say, I can't I guess I can't say everybody, but most people who have gotten my card has has commented on it in some way. And so it's been, you know, I think it, it does create a a memorable experience. So, you know, I'll get yeah, mine out at conferences where people are meeting a million people, but mine will be the card that stands out. Exactly. That yeah, they're kind of like little pieces of art, which, which I like to you know describe them as. And people feel bad almost if they like. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but uh, I hear from customers a lot where where you'll give a card out, and the person will actually want to give it back yeah. <laughs> because they like, well, don't like waste this on me, like oh, you know. But it's just a funny, it's a funny thing that happens. But people, yeah, when when people receive them, they they, they seem to want to kind of treasure them or keep them which is really cool to hear, you know, and I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's well, so actually on your site, you do have a reference to the movie I'm about to reference. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's like, oh, man, this is like a like an American psycho card, right? Like, <laughs> Exactly. exactly. So, oh, man, that's that's funny, because for the longest time, I held off making an American psycho Paul Allen card <laughs> because I mean that reference is like, if you're in the letterpress printing industry, it's so worn out. Like mm -hmm. you hear it like so much to somebody who's not is it's like, I'm going to make this comment under your Instagram photo about the American psycho card, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just funny because like, if you're in my shoes, you've heard it a million times. <laughs> and so I've held off like making one of those cards, but I finally did. And it's been like, one of the biggest hits on Hoban cards is that um, Paul Allen card, which actually I redesigned because I didn't like the original card. Mm -hmm. So, I, so I took the same format of it and and used a different font and uh, and kind of did my own spin on it. So that's funny that you brought that up. Man, that's awesome. I mean, it's it's like definitely uh, like forty percent of the people I give the cards to are like, man, this is like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm like yes, cool, very cool. So. It looks like, you know, kind of looking at the cards that you have on your site, you have all different types of layouts, fonts. You have like a really thin font, I see. Mm -hmm. Do you, and then you mentioned that you do kind of custom stuff too. So sure. are there so, are there limitations to letterpress or are there things that are maybe like extremely hard to do? If somebody wanted to get a letterpress business card, what would you recommend? Yeah, there definitely are limitations more than any other type of printing, actually, especially modern printing. Mm -hmm. The the limitations, 
one of the limitations is that letterpress printing, unless you really have some some different type of equipment and, and techniques, are it's hard to to spread a lot of ink over a large amount of surface. So a lot of people will come to me and say, "Hey, can can I have one entire side of my card black, and then the other side white?" And that can be done with certain letter presses, but letterpress printing was originally meant to print type. Mm-hmm. It wasn't meant to print graphics necessarily. It can print, you know, little wing bats and things like that um, in the early days. But it was mainly meant to print type. And so so that's kind of what I've chosen to do. There's a lot of letterpress printers out there that you can find. You can go to their websites and they just have amazingly intricate work. And it's amazing and I love it, but that's kind of not what I've chosen to do. I've kind of chosen to keep to the typographic nature of letterpress printing. So yeah, spreading ink over a large surface is a limitation. Obviously you can't, you can't, we print solid colors one at a time. So you can't do like a lot of gradients. And so you obviously you can't do photos. So it, it lends itself just intrinsically to minimalism, I think. And so I want to like really take hold of that. And something as a designer that, is, that I've always loved to do, and, and especially as a web designer, is designing within your limitations, right? Yeah. When you're, a web, yeah. when you're a web designer, you have more so in the old days when you had very specific browser widths and heights. You had, you had a very specific thing you had to design within. And so, like, I've embraced that with what I do with making these calling cards. You know, you have a, you have a very limited canvas you're working on. But I love it. I love it. I love the challenge of trying to make it as clean and minimal as I can, but not boring, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, I think I'd kind of to answer your like, question, I, I like I kind of like the limitations and I, and I kind of embrace them. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And, and the thing that made me think of that was my good friend Brian Richards from WP Sessions also had cards made up by you guys and... It's funny that you mentioned specifically the solid color, because I think, if I recall correctly, he wanted that done. So he had, mm-hmm. uh, like, I guess it was like maybe a teal, like closer to green with his logo on there. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, I definitely bounced ideas off of him for the second round, because like my logo has two colors in it. And then if I did black, that would be a third color. And so you're we able to simplify. And I, I'm very, again, I'm very excited to see my cards, but um, cool. right on. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so we're coming up on time so, sure. somehow, but there are a couple of more <laughs> questions I, I did want to ask. Just a couple of, maybe maybe these can be like more rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. And the first is, how did you come up with, with pricing for this sort of stuff? Is it based on design, complexity, demand? You know, it's kind of easy to slap like any old price on software uh, as long yeah, as people sure. are willing to pay that because you don't have the you know, you have to factor in support and things like that, but you don't necessarily have to factor in materials, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot more overhead and things to consider than when you're just making software for people, for sure. So you have, you know, the type of paper you're using, the thickness of the paper. I've mentioned the number of colors, obviously the quantity of cards. The number of colors dictates how long they're going to take to to print. And obviously a quantity will increase the, the length. And so over time, what I've done is I've created a, a big spreadsheet that me and my employees can refer to, to price cards. Yeah. And so it all comes in. And it's just something we've worked out over time. I think that initial website I was talking to you when I had six templates, I kind of just kind of guessed at it. And then we've kind of tweaked the prices from there. So yeah, that, that's kind of how we've done it. 
Cool. Very cool. As a quick aside, since you keep mentioning the website and this is mostly a WordPress audience, I think I know the answer to this, but uh, what are you using to power your website? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I've, I've listened to, to, you know, several of your podcasts and I know you're, you're pretty WordPress centric yeah. and I wanted to, to hear what your reaction was when I tell you my, my site is Drupal. Wow. Awesome. Uh, well, so, uh, that's, I was investigating before and that's what I thought, uh-huh. but, uh, so, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful website and Drupal, Drupal is the, uh, maybe the second largest competitor to WordPress. Mm-hmm. Was there a reason that you decided to go with Drupal over anything else? I won't specifically say WordPress, but like, you know, you have an online shop. So like maybe Shopify or something like that. Yeah, I tried to actually, I tried out a bunch and, and before I had a CMS to manage my store, mm-hmm. I, it was actually just a very static website that I built, like I said, with sort of PayPal buttons and stuff like that. That worked out. It just didn't scale to, you know, the demand, obviously. And I wanted something a little bit more complex. And so I did a bunch of, you know, I tried WordPress the reason why I went with Drupal, I think WordPress aesthetically, as far as the code goes, was a little bit more down my alley, mm-hmm. how, they man- how they manage themes. I'm a designer. I like to get into theme code and, and make my own themes and stuff like that. Yeah. WordPress was a little more clean to me, but the thing, the reason why I chose Drupal is because of a feature called Views, mm-hmm. and if anybody's, a, I don't know if you've ever used Drupal. But there's a there's a module, a very popular Drupal module called Views that lets you basically build your own pages out of any database data that's that's in the database. So you can you can easily just grab anything you want and create these very complex views. Because I I wasn't too keen on actually getting in and building my own modules for Drupal and doing all that stuff, but I still wanted to create like have my hands completely on the, 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 not only the layout, but the data, I ended up choosing Drupal. And I had to do a lot of, um, not a lot, but a couple of months of, of, you know, YouTube videos, training mm-hmm. myself to use Drupal and things like that. And right now I'm, I'm super stoked on Drupal. There's a lot of things that's, that's terrible about it, <laughs> but I actually love the fact that I can spin up a new page and work with the data how I want. It's just how my mind works, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, there's just endless amount of modules and the community is huge and, and there's, there's help and Drupal developers if you need to hire them all over the place. So Nice. Very nice. And, and uh, what you say makes perfect sense. I think maybe the, the biggest pitfall of WordPress for me is how they handle data. Like everything is just a post and it goes into the post table and I, you know, there's, that yep. could be handled a lot better, I think, but there's a lot of technical debt now associated with that particular database architecture so you yeah. know that yeah. i mean that's on i haven't really touched drupal but like what you said there like just kind of makes me want to open it up and see what's going on there so yeah i think if if you're a designer and you've done a lot of front-end design but you also understand how a database works drupal is an amazing tool nice for you to get in and not and to be your own developer it's kind of what I call Drupal is you have to be a configuration developer. <laughs> there's just so much, I mean, there's some configuration with WordPress, but it's just like everything you're doing is, is on a user interface configuring things, which feels kind of messy and dirty, but it, it works out in the end. Nice. That's, that's fantastic. Cool. So, so we talked about creating letterpress stuff and how that works. We talked about how you acquired your letterpress machine and pricing in your website now. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll end on the two questions I always end with, which um, one, do you have any plans for the future? And two, uh, do you have any trade secrets for us? 
Yeah, plans for the future. I am trying to to understand marketing a little bit better with my business. I, I'm really trying to figure out clever ways to market Hoban cards because I think a lot of a lot of people like the product, and I'm I'm kind of adverse to using like slimy marketing techniques mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so yeah, plans for the future is just growing it. And as much as I love actually doing the letterpress printing, I love kind of taking this tiny little business and seeing what I can, what I can do with it, you know? So just expanding the site, uh, making more, more designs available. I'm, I think I'm going to expand my stationary offerings because right now I have, I have calling cards. We also do sort of stationary and stationary sets where you have a matching calling card Mm -hmm. and 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 this and I and I might try to expand to writing stationery, you know. Yeah. Maybe uh maybe get a hold of some of the pen addict guys and figure out what what papers are good to use of that. Oh man. And, yeah. <laughs> so that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you need somebody to test anything that you're making, you let me know because I am. I don't know if a lot of people know this about me because I'm like so embedded in the tech world, but I'm a huge stationery nerd. Like I have awesome tons of fountain pens and things like that. Just so. I very much love the analog world as much as the tech world, but sorry. To yeah, we should that. team up. We should team up and do a little uh, little testing. I'd love to create some some cool, not so much notebooks, but little like personalized pieces of writing stationery, just like old school writing stationery. So yeah, that'd awesome. be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So as far as a trade secret, there's many technical trade secrets I could share <laughs> as far as letterpress printing goes, but I don't, I don't think I could explain them well and they probably wouldn't be applicable to your audience. But I think more generally a trade secret would be to, I think, try to be clever with, like I was talking about how I, how I originally sent that email to Kevin Rose. Um, try and, and, you know, when I emailed out all the print shops in my area asking for, just try to be like, kind of be clever with how, how you're getting into your business and what your passion is, you know, try to do things a little bit differently than everybody else around you is doing them. And I think just to be honest, you know, don't try to make any shortcuts, be honest with your marketing and how you present yourself. I think there's a lot, there's, as far as marketing goes, I'm I'm just kind of getting into the looking more into marketing and there's a lot of there's this temptation I think to subscribe to all the SEO newsletters you can and sort of try to try to hack the system mm-hmm. as much as you can and I think I think the more that you're just doing what you love that you're honest you're putting out good content you're just going to rise to the top organically you know so and then just you know yeah find a find a niche you love and, and do it awesome uh I I love that that sounds great it's I you know, I try to do the same thing. I I don't really like the, you know, there's like the expiring sale and the, and stuff like that, you know, that you see on like the perpetual sale on websites all the time and, and other kind of not lying, but kind of disingenuous. And so I like the be honest, be clever sort of takeaway. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining me today, Evan. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, people can follow me personally on Twitter if you want at Evan Calkins. And then you can check out my, my calling card website is hobancards.com. So it's H-O-B-A-N cards.com. I'm sure you'll link it up. And then my custom stuff is hobanpress.com. So I kind of have two 
areas of the business where I'm doing custom stuff. So if you want your logo and maybe you have your own design that you want printed, you can hit me up there. So Awesome. Yes. And I will definitely link all of those in the show notes. And dear listeners, I'm giving you a call to action. I mentioned one pop culture reference on the calling cards page. I just noticed... Uh, at least another one so uh, you should head over there and see how many pop culture references you can yeah. find pretty much all the, the cards have a pop culture reference so if you're, if you're into TV shows then go check it out fantastic thanks again to Evan for joining me today it was incredibly interesting to hear about how he got his equipment and his start letterpress is tricky business and he does it really well be sure to check out his work at hobancards.com And thanks again to our sponsors. Make sure to check out Liquid Web for managed WordPress hosting. I use them on all of my important sites because they are that good. They're over at builtpodcast.net slash liquid, and they'll give you 50% off your first two months just for being a listener. If you want to save your clients or yourself money through recovered abandoned carts, check out Jilt. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. And finally... Be sure to check out WordSesh. WordSesh is an incredibly affordable 12-hour online conference with some of the biggest thought leaders in WordPress. Get your tickets at buildpodcast.net slash wordsesh. For all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash 78. If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It helps people discover the show. And finally, if you like the show and you want to support it directly, head over to patreon.com slash howibuiltit. We have lots of great perks for backers, and right now you can vote on the official How I Built It t-shirt. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month, and if you pledge $10 a month, you'll get that shirt for free. That's over at patreon.com slash howibuiltit. And until next time, get out there and build something.